It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Spend the next few minutes to talk about what we're going to talk about for the next couple hours. Bob Brogan is in here in studio, all by his lonesome. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Uh, I'm never lonesome as long as there are others around. (laughs) Which is the definition of it. That's good. All right, we'll hear from you later. You work on your stuff and, and comebacks and all that kind of thing. we got Susan Littlefield. Via remote, and uh, good morning to you, Susan, and, and kind of gray where you are, too, I hear. Yeah, it is. It's it's gray and about 32 degrees, so mm, well, yeah, it's I been, just want some sun. I know. I know. It was nice yesterday while it lasts, but I think we're going to get there this weekend. Uh, should uh, recharge our vitamin E a little bit, I hope, anyway. Works for me. Yep. What do you got for us today? Well, we're going to kick everything off here at 1219 as Alex will bring in Hannah Ash. Hannah's been on before, but she'll talk a little bit more about what's happening with the Oak Barn Beef. It is an amazing story of an entrepreneurship project that has just, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. It's pretty cool. Then at 1245, we're going to kind of continue with that beef discussion as Greg Haynes joins me. He's the CEO of the Cattlemen's Beef Board. They talk about work that they're doing to increase demand for beef, not only in the nation, but globally. And then Dave will step in at 117 as the Governor's Ag Conference is slated to happen in early March. He'll give us a preview to what we can expect. All right. Good stuff. Always good to hear the the Engler journey. I, they have so many things that they, it's just cool to see. people. It is. It's yeah, amazing. It really is. And the great ideas that people have. I, and I'm really impressed with that. I know. And then you think, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Yep, the old uh, post-it ideas. Just uh, why didn't I do that? So anyway, exactly. <laughs> thank you, Susan. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Well, we got uh, Jason Jorgensen uh, live via. Well, he's not, but we'll uh, we'll catch up with him. Let's see what he's got coming up with sports here. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, the Husker women go for the season sweep tonight against Minnesota. Of course, the Huskers bumped off the Gophers earlier this season in Lincoln. Tonight, they'll try to win on the road in the Twin Cities. Now, tonight's game starts at 7. We will bring that to you on 880 KRVN. Hastings College women, they improved to 23-0 on the season last night as they were able to fight off Morningside. And we'll tell you about Miller North's Hunter Solis. Uh, he is one of the top basketball prospects, not only in Nebraska, but also in the country. This week, he received a five-star designation by Rivals.com. That is the first time a player from Nebraska in the Rivals era has ever earned a five-star ranking. Of course, he's considered to be one of the top point guards in the country. Both Nebraska and Creighton are among numerous schools who have already offered him a scholarship. So we'll touch on all of that, and we'll talk about the Chiefs as they prepare for Super Bowl 54. All of that and much more is coming up in sports. All right. Thank you so much, Jason. It'll be interesting to see that. And uh, They don't uh, give out five-star designations to uh, news guys in Nebraska, but if we did that, Bob Brogan would have uh, gotten five stars many years ago. Oh, flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> Stocks falling and morning trading on Wall Street amid heightened fears that the global economy could take a hit from the deadly virus that's spreading from China. Also, the U.S. economy grew at a moderate 2.1% rate in the final three months of 2019. And the Hummer, once a gas-guzzling target for environmentalists, is making a comeback. And they're saying, uh, GM's saying, they're they're going to make an electric Hummer, so let's uh, stay tuned for that. Hmm. I'll be darned. All right, that's all coming up on... Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. 
Paul Perkins in here, and uh, I was uh, I was concerned earlier, Paul, because I was looking at the forecast and I didn't notice uh, you saying anything about 60s uh, this weekend. But I saw there a little later. It does still say that there's that chance? Yes, yeah, so some 60s in the area. They have backed off on how warm they were thinking it was oh, right. going to get on um, Sunday. It looks like, because like over southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, mm-hmm. they were talking highs into the low 70s. Now, more so in the mid and upper 60s in those areas. So that's That will be the warmest spot with that nice weather on Sunday. Well, it's still going to be nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, nice break. To, we haven't seen a day like that in a long time. Well, and it's really been interesting. You know, I was watching the Weather Channel earlier, and they were talking about places like Buffalo and Philadelphia and D.C. and some of those places that normally have a lot of snow haven't had hardly any <laughs> snow this year so we're tempting fate <laughs> exactly we're going into february and yeah. the last meteorological winter month of the yeah. cycle because usually uh, even though winter technically ends at the end of march they consider february december day. january and february as the meteorological winter months mm. But we all remember March last year. Exactly. So that's right. And, and winter tends to hold on for a while around here, even in April and sometimes May. We get some taste of it. Right now, we are seeing temperatures for the most part across the area in the mid to upper 30s. We do have that cloud cover still persisting across the about the eastern third of Nebraska. We are seeing quite a bit of sunshine, though, from about Valentine to North Platte to the McCook area in Norton, Kansas, and points off towards the west. Then just to the east of that, some partly cloudy skies, but that cloud cover very prevalent from about O'Neill down to Ord, Grand Island, Hastings, and Concordia, Kansas, and points off towards the east. Our temperatures today seasonal to slightly warmer than usual with a mix of clouds and sun. That cloud cover a little more prevalent as you go to the east, a little more sunshine as you do go to the west. We continue to see these clouds across the area thanks to some weak disturbances moving through. Some light snow or rain will be possible in the west this afternoon. Then across the central and east tonight with the weak cold front tracking east. Nothing major, maybe just a little bit of a light dusting or just some sprinkles or flurries. Nice weather expected for tomorrow through Sunday. As some sunshine finally takes hold a better hold of our weather and also some warmer temperatures will start to move in with the ridge of high pressure tracking across the plains. Now behind the front that moves through tonight, tomorrow will be slightly cooler with a northwest wind that will be breezy during the afternoon. Saturday and Sunday look to be very great with highs in the 50s and 60s when the center of that high pressure ridge does move overhead. Now Monday through Wednesday back into some slightly colder than normal temperatures after a strong cold front pushes southeast. And something to watch, low pressure going to lift out of the desert southwest. That's usually that catch raised desert southwest and that will return some moisture in the form of some snow. Right now, the current storm track favors light snow accumulations of perhaps just a few inches, but it's still several days away, and we things can change. Are we talking, when you say desert southwest, what you're really saying is the four corners. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Oh, so boy. Be on the lookout. Something to watch there, but nothing major right now. But we will have some colder air in place, so it is something to watch. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures are predicted to be seasonal or near normal for Tuesday through February 12th. So nothing majorly cold behind that front for long term. Slightly above normal precipitation in the forecast for Tuesday through the 12th for Nebraska and Kansas. Right now, those better precipitation chances look to be farther north. In in today's regional drought monitor, Nebraska remains 96% drought-free. Just abnormal dryness is found along and southwest of a line from Sydney to Imperial and McCook. Kansas did improve 1 percentage point to 68% drought-free. 
Abnormal dryness to a moderate drought continues over western Kansas and in the south central in a stretch from about Coldwater to Newton and Cottonwood Falls. Severe drought is still found from Garden City to the southwest corner. Now we could see some improvement in next week's report since not all of the moisture from Tuesday's heavy snow is included in this report. They only consider the moisture up until Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock and a lot of snow fell after that. Weather factors driving the market train include beneficial rain in the southern Argentina area and favorable harvest conditions in Brazil. The Midwest will be drier through the next 10 days. Highest precipitation chances in the Ohio Valley into the Delta. The drier conditions needed in the Midwest to improve conditions for spring planting in the Southern Plains. Beneficial moisture from moderate to heavy snow occurred earlier in the week. That moisture along with warming temperatures will favor winter wheat. Livestock stress from the snow will be limited. For Brazil, generally favorable weather conditions for filling soybeans and full season corn. West Central Brazil's weather is also mostly favorable for harvesting soybeans and planting the second crop corn following the soybean harvest. In southern Argentina, they have been dry. They received some useful moisture from some midweek showers and thunderstorms. Weather in the major central Argentina crop areas mostly favorable for pollinating and filling corn and also developing and filling soybeans. Right in our area, a pretty good dry stretch of weather here, which is good news. Uh, Get a lot of the uh, feedlots dried yeah. out because that's been it's been very very wet and of course some county roads very very wet and soft because of, of the moisture. Me just walking out on my lawn, I can hear a lot of squish and squishing. Well, so, I, I I was saying to Adam Marshall earlier, I said you know I I mentioned to a producer, boy, it sure is nice out, and he said, you haven't been out in my feedlot lately, <laughs> yeah, have you? Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's uh, this is mud season in Nebraska for sure, big so, time. Yeah. yeah. All right, very good. Thank you. Appreciate it, Paul. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. Welcome to the Angler Entrepreneurship Journey, celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. To me, entrepreneurship is going above and beyond to prove to yourself that you can do this and push yourself every day to build something that you're proud of. Good afternoon. On today's Angler Journey, we'll be traveling with entrepreneur Hannah Esch. She'll be a senior at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln this fall, and she's the founder of Oak Barn Beef. So Oak Barn Beef ships my family farm high-quality beef across the United States directly to consumers. Um, we use the education on ethical ranching practices and um, sharing our unique farm story to help educate people about where their food comes from. Hannah had always wanted to start her own business. After all, both of her parents are entrepreneurs, but she never knew what kind of business she wanted to start until one particular experience during her time as a Nebraska beef ambassador. I got a lot of surprising comments, but the most surprising one was when a third grader from a rural community told me that eggs come from cows because they're next to the milk in the grocery store. And with that experience, Hannah knew she wanted to fill the gap between producers and consumers with her family's beef. But how was she going to do that? Well, through the Angler program, Hannah developed the skills and confidence she needed to start a business. So in our freshman class, they have a $50 business idea. So there's a team of students who receive $50 as an investment, and they just say, go start a business. So while mine was a dog walking business, not the most impressive thing, um, other students had laser engraving, tumbler cup businesses, and made like over $5,000 from that one project. So 
just getting out there and working with other teammates was some huge lessons learned with that. And then I think the way that the program is structured, so the activities that you do and the most of the program is outside of the classroom, that it really allows you to build your entrepreneurial mindset with that and not just see, be okay with the status quo. So after her $50 business idea, additional angler projects, and interactions with removed consumers, Hannah took the next step toward developing Oak Barn Beef with the help of the angler staff, a big step that is, to Five Mary's Farms on the West Coast. And I sent a letter and asked them if I could come live on their Northern California ranch for the summer, and they accepted, and this crazy little Nebraska girl went out to Northern California for the summer. And... That was one of the biggest learning experiences that gave me the confidence to start Oak Barn Beef, too. So I learned the ins and outs of a farm-to-table operation, how to ship a perishable product, and social media marketing. I just learned a ton. And when I came back to Nebraska in August, I was ready to jump into it. And so when Hannah launched Oak Barn Beef, she started using social media to provide transparency on her family's beef operation an operation and a family that's been influential in helping her achieve her goals. So while I'm the founder of Oak Barn Beef, it's definitely a family business. So whether my parents want to some days or not, sometimes they get pulled in and they have been the most supportive people. Um, My dad raises our cattle for us right now. I wouldn't be able to run this business without him. And my mom is great with a financial analysis, so she helps a lot on that part. But more importantly, they put up with my shipping boxes that have somehow taken over half of the office, my insulators for my boxes that are stuffed in every bedroom closet, things like that. So they're, they're my biggest supporters for sure. You can learn more about Hannah Esch, Oak Barn Beef, and the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln by visiting angler.unl.edu. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to check in on sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, the Nebraska women's basketball team goes for the season sweep of Minnesota tonight as the Huskers hit set to tech on the Gophers in the Twin Cities. Now, Nebraska beat Minnesota earlier this year at home in Lincoln, 72-58. to Tonight's game tips off at 7, and we will bring it to you on 880-KRVN. Last night in State College action, the top-ranked Hastings College women, they improved to 23-0 on the year, but it wasn't easy. They had to go overtime at home against 7th-ranked Morningside as they eventually pulled that one out. 85-70, to that victory sets a school record for consecutive wins. Top-ranked Morningside men, they were able to fight their way past Hastings College, winning that one 81-70. Both the Concordia women and men, they picked up big wins last night over Northwestern. Well, Millard Norris Hunter Salise moved up 27 spots to 20th overall in Rivals' latest top 150. Salise, who becomes the first five-star prospect in Nebraska during the online ranking era, is also rated as the eighth-best point guard in the nation. The junior's list of scholarship offers is impressive. He already holds offers from the likes of Nebraska, Creighton, Kansas, Gonzaga, Iowa, Iowa State, and UCLA. Well, the Chiefs had everyone on the field yesterday for their first significant workout of Super Bowl week as they went without helmets or pads during the 90-minute workout. The only injury concerns involved defensive tackle Chris Jones and tight end Travis Kelsey, although head coach Andy Reid says Kelsey is fine and Jones is good to go. Quarterback Patrick Mahomes says the Chiefs hope to control the week. 
Coach Reed has put a, together a great plan for us that where we can do stuff with the media, we can do stuff outside of what our normal routine is, but at the same time keeping it as normal as possible. And so with the practice schedule that he's, he's had, with the meeting schedule that he's had, I've really felt like we've kind of kept it rolling just like we would have done if we were in Kansas City. The kickoff on Sunday between the 49ers and the Chiefs is set for 5.30. And an old, familiar face is returning to the Royals. Reliever Greg Holland signed a minor league deal with the team yesterday. 34-year-old right-hander would get a one-year, $1.25 million deal if added to the 40-man roster. Holland was 1-2 last year with a 4.54 ERA and 40 relief appearances with Arizona. They released him in early August. He signed on with Washington, but it was never called back up to the big league club. A three-time All-Star, he pitched for Kansas City from 2010 to 2015. Of course, he helped the Royals win consecutive AL pennants in his final two seasons in Kansas City. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. A new report says that families who want access to high-quality child care in Nebraska may be out of luck depending on where they live or how much they make. The report by the Nebraska Early Childhood Workforce Commission says access to child care varies widely with 11 of the state's 93 counties having no licensed child care facilities. The report also finds a high turnover rate among early childhood care providers, driven in part by low pay. The report says the median wage for early childhood professionals teaching in community-based child care centers was less than $19,000 in 2016. Two customers at a movie theater bar in Nebraska were treated at a hospital after they were served cleaning solution in their drinks, apparently by accident. Authorities say the women took sips and soon began to feel burning sensations in their throats and stomachs on Tuesday at the Alamo Draft House Cinema in the Omaha suburb of La Vista. They've been released from the hospital. The La Vista police chief says a bottle that had contained a liquor was being used to store the cleaning solution and had been placed near the bar. A partner in the franchise location says employee responsible has been fired. A series of four small earthquakes have shaken central Kansas. The Kansas Geological Survey says all of them were centered in Marion County. They ranged in magnitude from 2.5 to 3.4. The threshold for damage usually starts at 4.0. The first was reported around 11.45 Tuesday night and the last around 7 p.m. Wednesday. Kansas began seeing a spike in earthquakes in 2014 that were blamed on wastewater injection wells from oil and gas production. The number of quakes began tapering off after oil prices dropped and regulations were enacted. A recent uptick in Temblers is under investigation. A northwest Kansas man has been sentenced to life in prison for killing his wife, who was a correctional officer. Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt said that 37-year-old Alfonso Eduardo Garcia of Plainville won't be eligible for parole for at least 50 years under the life sentence imposed Wednesday. Jurors in Rooks County found Garcia guilty last month of first-degree premeditated murder in the March 2018 death of 24-year-old Alexis Diane Garcia. Kansas Department of Corrections officials said she had been an officer at the Norton Correctional Facility's satellite unit in Stockton. Her obituary said she was also a mother of one. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder.
behind-the-scenes work being done to increase the demand for beef. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Greg Haynes is CEO of the Cattlemen's Beef Board, and he and I talked first about the increase that they're working on when it comes to beef demand. Yeah, there's a lot of work that's going on uh, to promote demand, uh, the, you know, increase the demand for beef here in the U.S. Uh, we have about really 12 contractors and subcontractors that work for the checkoff doing a variety of different programs. Uh, it includes research uh, on nutrition and production, things like that. Uh, also looking at, you know, environmental impacts and, uh, you know, just countering some of these false rumors or information that's out there as far as, you know, the climate change and the impact that beef has. We do a lot then with uh, promotion and, uh, you know, putting these messages out then that have been coming out of research and all that, just getting that out then to the various target groups that are in the U.S. and, and really trying to differentiate beef from a lot of the other proteins that are, that are out there. As you know, um, this whole protein segment is getting more and more complex and more and more competitive every day. You've got your traditional proteins, you know, the other meat items, but you've also got your your old kind of veggie burgers, and now you've got all these new uh, fake meat uh, products out there that are also very aggressive and disparaging our products. So the checkoff is really working hard to try and counter all this and make sure that beef is center of mind and center of plate for everybody. Well, we know that increasing demand means we have to look beyond our state borders. And I think of USMCA, the deal with China, the deal with Japan. There's some great opportunities for U.S. beef. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Um, those countries you just mentioned are all key export markets for us. So um, if we want to look at the USMCA, we have, uh, I don't know, we had always great access into Canada and Mexico with really zero duties for our products. The challenge that happened then was once they started renegotiating USMCA or we were kind of threatening that we were going to pull out, the buyers in those markets were then concerned like that maybe the U.S. isn't such a reliable supplier. You know, are we going to have to start paying duties? You know, um, how is that price going to change? And so they started looking at um, alternative suppliers to provide them their beef. And so now that things are settled down and we've got an agreement, now they're coming back and they're like, okay, yes, you know, we know that this is set. You're a reliable supplier again. Uh, we know that the duties are, there's going to be no duties again. And so it's kind of coming back. And so that concern about us is diminishing, which is good because now we'll continue to be that big supplier going into those markets. And then you had mentioned China and Japan. I think those are going to be huge for um, our industry as well over the next year and years going forward. China is always a, a difficult market in the sense that they have a lot of requirements for beef going in. In the past, it was, you know, no hormones, no beta agonists, traceability, all these different things. So that kind of limited the amount of product and also made the prices higher. Well, the new agreement now does away with the uh, hormone requirements, so this is going to be huge, and I think it's going to offer a lot of opportunities for us to get more of that product in there. Um, China has, in just the last two years, gone from being a relatively small importer to being the largest importer in the world. They've just really changed the whole dynamics that's out there, and so they're bringing in all this product from Australia, New Zealand, and Canada, and South America, and... Um, they need more, you know, especially now with African swine fever that's going on. China has half the world's hogs, 
and they eat half the world's hogs, but now at least half of that is estimated to have been decimated by ASF. And so that means 25% of the world's pork is gone. And so they're looking for other protein sources. And their beef consumption had already been going up. So I think this offers another opportunity for beef. So we are able to to move into that area with more of our beef. Um, but what it's also doing with them pulling out a lot of this kind of cheaper grass-fed beef from South America or New Zealand and Australia is the areas that had been supplied by those countries, for example, like Japan or Korea that had been buying a lot of Australian beef, that beef's now going to, to China. Well, now that offers a whole another open void in these markets for us to fill. So this is really big. And then with this new agreement with Japan that just happened, uh, when we pulled out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership or the TPP, uh, that kind of set us apart. So all the other TPP countries, which include most of our competitors of, of Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Mexico, their duty rates for beef going into Japan had dropped down to about 26%. Well, we were paying 38.5%, so that's a big difference. And so they were having that advantage uh, going for, going in there, and you could see it was kind of impacting some of our sales there. But now, with us in the new agreement, we dropped down to those same levels as uh, all those other TPP countries. So now we're on a level playing field, and so I think our exports there are going to really jump uh, A, just because I think there's going to be a lot more consumption of beef in general in Japan because the prices are going to be dropping, and they have to import it. They can't produce anymore, so that's going to be coming from us. And then that other fact that a lot of the uh, uh, competitor product may even be going to China. So that's Those comments with Greg Haynes. I'm Susan Littlefield, Liberal Radio Network. <laughs> It is time for us uh, to uh, take a look at our business report here on Midday and uh, Rough Day for stocks around the world, not only here in the United States, but uh, certainly overseas. Lots and lots of red on the board with a couple exceptions, but let's uh, let's take a look at those world markets. The Asian markets are were just tumbled pretty bad, and I imagine that you can... Uh, uh, attribute that to maybe the coronavirus but uh, the japanese nikkei down 394 points the hong kong's hong sang was down almost 700 points now the big things that i that surprised me i guess as you look at the european markets they were they don't move a lot usually but they were down big time too the FTSE in london down over a hundred points and the german dax index nearly down 200 points here in the united states stocks not doing so well either the 10-year yield was down almost four percent well three and a half percent anyway the dow jones industrial average is down 151 nasdaq was down 63 and the standard Poor was down 20 we turn it over to bob brogan for more stocks fell in midday trading over Heightened fears that the global economy could take a hit as the number of confirmed cases and the death toll from that virus that uh, apparently broke out in China spiked. World health officials expressed great concern that the new type of coronavirus is starting to spread between people outside of China, which is essentially on lockdown. 
Communications and healthcare companies led the loss as Facebook fell 6.7% and Anthem fell 2.9%. Industrial companies also fell broadly. So also, the U.S. economy grew at a moderate 2.1% rate in the final months of 2019, capping a year when growth slowed significantly due to a weaker global economy and trade war uncertainties. The Commerce Department said the fourth quarter increase in the gross domestic product, the economy's total output of goods and services, matched the 2.1% gain of the third quarter. Also, the company that makes Marlboro cigarettes... Uh, will take a $4.1 billion hit from its investment in Jewel. And I don't know if I'm going to spell, I'm going to pronounce this right, but I think it's Altria. Altria acquired a 35% stake in the e-cigarette company at the end of 2018 at a cost of almost $13 billion. The Richmond, Virginia company is citing a burgeoning number of legal cases that ex- that it expects to grow. The Hummer, once a a gas-guzzling target for environmentalists, is making a comeback as an electric vehicle. General Motors announcing it will start selling a battery-powered Hummer pickup truck in in September of 2021. We used to have a person on the staff who would say, I'll believe it when pigs fly, uh, but apparently they're going to do it. And there's going to be an ad during the, I don't know if I can call it this, the Super Bowl. Can I say Super Bowl? I, I, the big game. The big... Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> one demerit for me. Uh, Sunday's big game. GM gave only a few details about the truck, which will be unveiled officially on May 20th. And it says it will have uh, huge capabilities. It will have the equivalent of a 1,000 horsepower and go from 0 to 60 in three seconds. I'm sorry I'm chuckling about that because George Carlin... The late comedian once said, no, we don't need cars that go to 100 in no time flat. We need cars that go from 100 to zero in no time flat. He's not, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. So anyway, where are you going to drive a vehicle like that that goes from zero to 60 in three seconds? Not anywhere around me, I can tell you that much. Have a good day. Thank you, Bob. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, taking a look here at the close across the board, soybeans definitely are leader to the downside, but Kansas City Wheat tried to make a run here at the end. Yeah, we did. We had a decent purchase by um, by Egypt this morning, so they secured some some bushels for it was French wheat, unfortunately, for the March delivery. So they've got a couple of months here before they'll start getting into their own crop, but it's given us a little idea here of what wheat is valued at. Obviously, the soft we've seen on the board is a little bit overdone, but I, I am cautious here. We're starting to see that price that they're paying for wheat fall a little bit. Uh, I think we're $5 per metric ton down from where we were last week, and again, as we start to get into the back end of the year, uh, marketing year for wheat, it tends to tends to get weaker without a weather rally. So I think March delivery is something we have to kind of be aware of here. we got four weeks until that will take place, one month from really two days ago, but one month from today at the end of February, folks will need to be out of March delivery positions, and it's kind of been a precursor to bearishness. So I think any rallies you get here, you should be looking to price those bushels. I don't think this is a good opportunity to do it here. I, I would be patient. I think there's going to be an opportunity over the next three weeks, but uh, I think you got to look to book it a little bit early and roll those longs that you have on the future side as well. You started to talk about the weather story, and in South America, Argentina, we had that starting to develop for their corn crop, but it looks like they're getting some beneficial moisture right now. 
Yeah, and it's early for, for the second crop corn to really get too much worry. Argentina, you know, they don't grow enough to really offset what is going to get lost. You know, you're talking about maybe maybe 150, 200 million bushels that'll, that'll get lost from some problem in Argentina. Um, you know, but I, it, from the corn side here, it's hard not to be bullish at this price. I mean, I think the exports we saw this morning were out of sight, you know, 1.2 million metric tons. They were really, really solid for soybean meal as well. So while they were down for beans, I think the, you know, the inspection numbers that we're seeing are strong. So uh, I think, you know, breaks should get secured here. I, you know, there's a threat that we could fall into the mid-360s for March delivery, but I don't look for that to happen in the in the very near term. I think it's really taken its biggest punch, and um, you know, once we can get through early part of next week when China reopens, I think the market will find some footing. And then going into it as well, the currencies. Anything to see there today? Not yet. Uh, I think the big big watch. And I'll mention this tomorrow, which is just to remind everybody, will be Sunday night. So uh, Taiwan and Hong Kong are now open. They they their stock markets took massive hits last night. I think that's put some a little bit what's driving soybeans. Uh, Shanghai opens on Monday, Monday there, Sunday night here, and uh, I think there's some fear you're going to see some big changes in their currency markets, and that's that's been bearish for markets like crude, copper, cotton, soybeans as well, but I think a lot of that's getting priced in ahead of time. Again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. And that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com. Sponsored by Davini Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Davini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.